And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Turn in your Bibles, please, to Ephesians chapter 1. And then we're going to pray and get into the Word this morning. We're going to receive communion today because one of the spiritual blessings of redemption is, you know, the forgiveness of our sins. And so I thought it was appropriate that we do teach a few minutes on the blood and uh, stir ourselves up to remind ourselves of, of our, our privileges and our rights in Christ Jesus. Amen. Father, we thank you for the living word of God today, for truly it is alive. Your word is a lamp to our feet and a light onto our pathway. Jesus, you are the true bread that came down from heaven to give us life, to redeem us, to purchase us back, buy us back from a, a, a life of sin, sickness, disease, poverty, lack, death. We remember that, Jesus, today. And so, Holy Spirit... Open the eyes of our understanding that we might see, grasp, and understand these spiritual truths today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. It's, you, you, it's almost impossible. You can't grasp a lot of these spiritual blessings with just your mind. It's from your spirit. And I've learned through the years, we can go through, and we're all guilty of this, we read the Bible like a book. And the older I get, I recognize how important it is for you and I to read the Bible, not so much in quantity and read a lot, but find some spiritual truths in there. And then meditate upon those and reflect on those and think on those things during the course of your day. That is the only way you and I can grasp this book. It's it's by meditation in the word. And sorry to say, and it's sad, but most people don't read the Bible that way or really meditate the word like they should. And so, as we go through this, this is one of the reasons I'm, I'm taking my time, because we're talking about the fact that God's nature is one that wants, He wants to bless you. He wants to bless you and I in the natural. How many were blessed some way this week? Just me? Oh, it's good to see those hands. But our, our purpose, you know, the last few weeks is, is spiritual blessings, okay? So let's read this in, in Ephesians chapter 1, and I'll just read a few verses here. This is our foundation scripture. It says, Paul, an apostle, Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who has blessed us? Who has blessed us? Who has blessed us? With what? With every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Say, I'm blessed in the heavenly places in Christ. 
just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he's made us accepted in the beloved. In him or in Christ, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. So we see here, uh, we found out that it's in Christ that we find out who we are. It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. That's real simple. That's the message translation of verse 11. It's in Christ. So if you want to find out why you're here on planet Earth, it's you find Jesus. Amen. We looked at the fact that the new birth is the key to which unlocks all of the spiritual blessings for the believer. We said we've been blessed with divine rights and privileges because of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We, the believer, we have been chosen. Say, I've been chosen. I've been adopted as a son of God. Amen. You've been accepted in the beloved. Say, I've been accepted in the beloved. Then we, we looked on, and that's what we're going to look at today. It says, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. So, the reason number one for redemption is sonship. Say sonship. Say new nature. When you receive Christ, you receive a what? A new nature. We've looked at the fact that the curse is removed and that redemption is eternal. Now we want to go on and we want to look at the significance of the blood. What is so important about the blood of Jesus Christ? Now, I'm not going to have you turn here. I'm going to read you scripture. I, I like the fact, and maybe you didn't like it today, but when Pastor Brad received the offering, he read the scripture. He read the Bible. That's why you go to church, to hear the Word of God. Not so much as my opinion, although I usually have one, or you have one, but it's the Scripture. And so today I want to give you Scripture, and, and these two Scriptures, I'm going to read them back to back, tell you the significance of the blood of Jesus Christ. Je you don't need to turn there, just listen. Genesis 9 Verse 3 through 4, it says, But you shall not eat flesh with its life, that is, its blood. You shall not eat flesh, God said, with its life, that is, its blood. Then Leviticus 17, 11 says, For the life of the flesh is in the blood. The life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that makes atonement or reconcile. It means to, to cover or to appease. It's the blood that makes atonement for the soul. God is saying that blood is the life of the flesh. Blood is synonymous with life. You lose blood, you lose life, okay? But God is saying that blood is the life of the flesh, and you may not eat blood or drink blood because you would be drinking the life of the animal. God had to see the life of the animal on the altar instead of the blood. Instead of the death of the person, he would accept the death of the animal because the Bible tells us that where there is sin, there is death. 
God accepted the animal's blood as payment for, for the sins of Israel. Their sins were covered over or hidden then from God's view. So you'll find in the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, the blood covered the sin. I want you to know in the New Covenant, the blood of Jesus Christ totally eradicated, wiped out the sin, your sin and my sin. The story of redemption begins in the Garden of Eden. Do you remember where an animal was slain by God and that dripping flesh of that animal was draped over Adam and Eve. Why? To cover their sin. And you, you think about it, at the end of Revelation, you don't need to, need to turn there, but Revelation 5, 5, chapter 5, verse 9 says, they were singing a new song. So you start in Genesis and you end in Revelation, they were singing a new song, you have redeemed us to God by your blood. That's what they were singing. So you'll find out how significant the blood is. Now, on a negative side, most ancient cultures dealt with human sacrifice or sacrificing animals. And so you'll see threaded through all these cultures, they call it the blood covenant. And if you look at today's society and today's culture, what is so prevalent in Hollywood? Blood. Now, it's a negative side. But the blood, there's a positive side. And so the enemy is going to do everything he can just to come against the, the true significance of the blood. He wants to degrade it. But we need, need to see the importance of it. Now, I'm going to read to you a scripture, some scriptures. I want to read to you from Hebrews chapter 9, but I'm going to read it to you from the Message Bible. The Message Bible. You know, I have no trouble with reading different translations. I think it's it's important that we do and, and get more of a, a, another meaning or more insight. So I'm, I'm going to read it to you from uh, Hebrew chapter, Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 11. It says, But when the Messiah arrived, high priest of the superior things of this new covenant, he bypassed the old tent and its trappings in this created world and went straight into heaven's tent, the true holy place, once and for all. Once and for all. Everyone say, once and for all. He also bypassed the sacrifices consisting of goat and calf blood, instead using his own blood as the price to set us free once and for all. If that animal blood and the other rituals of purification were effective in cleaning up certain matters of our religion and behavior, think how much more the blood of Christ cleans up our whole lives inside and out. Through the Spirit, Christ offered himself as an unblemished sacrifice, freeing us from all those dead-end efforts to make ourselves respectable so that we can live all out for God. Like a will that takes effect when someone dies, the new covenant was put into action at Jesus' death. His death marked the transition from the old plan to the new one, canceling the old obligations and accompanying signs and summoning the heirs to receive the eternal inheritance that was promised them. He brought together God and his people in this new way. Even the the first plan required a death to set it in motion. 
After Moses had read out all the terms of the plan of the law, God's will, he took the blood of sacrificed animals and in a solemn ritual sprinkled the document and the people who were its beneficiaries. And then he attested its validity with the words, this is the blood of the covenant commanded by God. He did the same thing with the place of worship and its furniture. Moses said to the people, this is the blood of the covenant God has established with you. Practically everything in a will hinges on a death. That's why blood, the evidence of death, is used so much in our tradition, especially regarding forgiveness of sins. That accounts for the prominence of blood and death and all these secondary practices that point to the realities of heaven. It also accounts for why when the real thing takes place, these animal sacrifices aren't needed anymore, having served their purpose. For Christ didn't enter the earthly version of the holy place. He entered the place itself. He entered the place itself and offered himself to God as the sacrifice for our sins. He doesn't do this every year as the high priest did under the old plan with blood that was not their own. If that had been the case, he would have to sacrifice himself repeatedly throughout the course of history. But instead, he sacrificed himself once and for all. Do you see how this is, goes through this whole its message brings it out more than once. Once and for all, summing up all the other sacrifices in this sacrifice of himself, the final solution of sin. Everyone has to die once, then face the consequences. Christ's death was also a one-time event, but it was a sacrifice that took care of sins forever. It was a sacrifice that took care of sins forever. It was a sacrifice that took care of sins forever. And so when he next appears, the outcome for those eager to greet him is precisely salvation. I like that. And I, that's what's so prevalent throughout that is the, that phrase, once and for all. The blood of Jesus Christ took care of your sin, my sin, past, present, and future. Once and for all. Amen. That's what we need to understand. Now, the blood of Christ represents two things. Number one, the cost of your sin. The cost of your sin. A high price was paid. Now, what do you and I do? Or maybe you don't. When I go to purchase something, in fact, I did that this week. I purchased something and I said, how much? What's it going to cost me? You go buy a vehicle, you buy an appliance, you buy a house, you buy furniture. I would hope you would ask, what's it going to cost me? What's it going to cost me? So the blood of Christ represents, number one, the cost of your sin. I do want you to turn to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 1. First Peter 1 verse 18 states, Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but 
with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. That's the cost of your sin. Your redemption basically didn't cost you anything, did it? But it cost the Son of God, Jesus Christ, everything, His own life. He bore your sin. He bore my sin from the beginning, from the cradle to the grave. We don't stop and think about that. Sins past, our sins are forgiven, but how many of you have sin, sinned since you received Christ? I don't see any hands. Boy, you guys must be a perfect group of people. But the blood of Jesus Christ covers our sins. And it was expensive. It cost him his love. That's, and I found this, and I wrote this down. This statement, remember the next time you're tempted to sin and do your own thing, remember the cost of your sin. Remember the cost of your sin. That'll make you think next time you want to sin. Amen. So the cost of your sins. Number two, the blood of Christ represents the cure for your sins. Second Corinthians 5.21 says, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might be made the what? Righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So the blood provided the cure. The blood provided the cure. And not only that, it wiped out that sin nature and made you the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I found this in the margin of my Bible and I wrote it down. Plagues and apocalyptic hail. A lot of movies today like that. Plagues and apocalyptic hail could not release God's people from Pharaoh. What did? The blood. Plagues and apocalyptic hail could not release God's people from Pharaoh. What did the blood? Nothing but the blood. The blood has never lost its power. It will never lose its power. The blood of Jesus Christ can still cleanse and set you and I free from sin. It can protect you and I from the enemy. It can cause us to be victorious. The Bible says, you know, we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. That means you up there, please. The blood. Everyone say the blood of Jesus. So, very simply, something that you and I need to remember 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. 1 John 1, 7 states, though, but if we walk in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses you and I from all sin. But if we walk in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us 
from what? All sin. All sin. There's basically nothing here today, any sin that the blood of Jesus Christ can't take, take care of. Communion, and that's why I, I don't take a long time. I give you the scripture. I want you to reflect upon the blood now. What were you like before Christ? I don't, I don't have time to hear all your stories. But what were you like? Did you change after you received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? I would hope so. But how many of you, like me, are works in progress? We're all works in progress. We make mistakes. We sin. But I want you to know today the blood of Jesus Christ has taken care of it. The blood of Jesus Christ has taken care of the sin problem once and for all. What do you and I need to do? Father, forgive me. I've sinned. These are areas of my life and areas of my character. I need help. I cry out to you, Father. I thank you, Lord, for the blood of Jesus, your own son, that took care of my sin problem once and for all. So I confess my sin, and I, as I confess my sin, I believe that you will cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Amen? Now, you might be struggling today with some sin. You might be dealing with something in your life. Well, the blood of Jesus is taking care of it. Now, before we have the ushers come, I want to read to you today... Uh, from one of my, my favorite devotionals. And, and the reason I want to read, read what she had to say was because it really applies today to communion. And she gives the prophetic scripture of 1 Thessalonians chapter 3.12. And this is the scripture. And the Lord make you to increase and abound in love to one another. Toward all men, even as we do toward you. She goes on to say, Jesus said that one of the biggest temptations of the last days, now are you listening, would be that our love for each other would begin to show signs of growing cold. That's a sign of the last days. That our love would what? That we just don't have that love anymore. We can say, oh, I love you, but there's a difference between that kind of love and agape love, which is an unconditional love. He said it would wax cold like a, a candle that is burned out. The wax then becomes cold, hard, and provides no warmth or light. You see, the way the world will know that we are genuinely Christians is not by how many people attend our churches or by the good music or preaching. They will know we are true followers of Christ because of one simple fact, that we love each other unselfishly. 
when the world would rather revert to backbiting, gossip, betrayal, and finger pointing, we choose to stay in unity, we choose to stay in unity and love. The ability to do that will make them stand up and take notice because it is a truly supernatural act in a world filled with hate. To win the world, we need love toward one another in our churches, families, marriages, and ministries. It is that atmosphere of love that the presence of God will abide. Now, this is what I liked. She said, it is the atmosphere of love that the what? Presence of God will abide. So if there's no love of God, there's no presence of God. It is the atmosphere of love that the presence of God will abide, and you can be certain that wherever God abides, there will be no hindrance to miracles, answered prayer, and blessings. What have we been talking about all year? Blessings. How many of you want to be blessed? Very simply, if you and I want to truly be blessed in the days ahead, then it It's so vital, it is so important that we maintain our love walk. That we love God with all of our heart, but that we also walk in love with each other. Now, I was at a ball game yesterday. And all I will say is this, there was a lot of this going on. Man, those umps were chewed up. My gosh, it's a wonder they could even walk after the way the people were yelling and screaming and jumping up and down and making a point. You know, and I, there's there's a point with that, but at one point I just got up and walked away because I got so tired of it. I love baseball and I love the whole thing, but my God, these parents, you understand, don't you, Coach. We're not perfect, but there comes a point as Christians, we we really should stand out and not act like the rest of the world. Amen. We all miss it. Yeah, when we do, we need to confess our sins. But she prays this, and I'll read this prayer. She says, Father, and let this be your prayer today. Father, I ask that you would help me to walk in love today with all my fellow believers and all people. Forgive me, Lord, for the areas where I've not chosen to walk in love. Can anybody say, forgive me for areas that I've not chosen to walk in love? Say that with me. Forgive me, Lord, for areas of my life that I have not chosen to walk in love. Cause your love to abound in my life Today, in Jesus' name, Jesus shed his blood because of love. God the Father sent Jesus Christ to this planet because of love. So I just want to remind you, this week, walk in love. And if you miss it, confess your sins. 